Todd tossed his coat into his locker and slammed it shut with a satisfying thunk, letting out some of his anger. He hated that some clown was threatening him, making him do stuff he didn't want to do. He had no idea what he'd be asked to do, but he knew he wouldn't want to do it. But what choice did he have? If his secret came out, he would be in major trouble. Mom would shatter like one of her delicate teacups. And what would happen then? Hello, welcome to the book fair, children's literature for grown-ups. My name is... My name is... My name is... You can call me Anthony. I've been debating that for a while. And I think that Anthony is my preferred name. I know that Anthony is my preferred name. It's been a while since I've done an episode like this. You know, well, an episode at all, honestly. I've been very sparse with uploading for this podcast, and I do regret that. It honestly just speaks to the fact that I don't read as much as I would like to. I have a good one for us this time, though. I read a very interesting and more modern book than I'm used to doing. I saw this one at Target one day, and unlike with Space Jam A New Legacy where it caught my eye for how absurd it was, this one caught my eye for how stunning the cover is. It's bright red, lockers with white text spray-painted on top of it. I Know Your Secret by author Daphne Benedis Grab. The book is a very compelling page-turner of a mystery novel. Four main characters, uh, all attending the same school together, have been blackmailed. Seventh graders receiving an email saying that uh, someone knows their secret, and if they don't comply with what they say, they'll tell everyone. And for some of these kids, that thought of their secret getting out is devastating. Each of the kids are not particularly close to each other. They're not related in any way. You have Jima, who is uh, kind of a loner. She doesn't talk to many people uh, in her own grade. She is a very smart girl. You have Owen, star of the basketball team, who did uh, know Jima because she was also in basketball but recently quit for unknown reasons. You have Allie. Allie works on her grandparents' animal rehab rehabilitation thing, uh, <laughs> animal sanctuary. Um, she also doesn't talk to many people at school. And lastly, you have Todd. Todd is a troubled child. He lives with his mother, who is single. She works at the local grocery store and doesn't quite bring, up, uh, bring enough home to make ends meet. These four children represent so much diversity that you'll find in America. The book takes place in a small town in New York called Snow Valley at Snow Valley Secondary School, where the middle school and high school are joined together because it's such a small town with so few students. Each of the four students that are the main characters received an email on Sunday night. Middle school, and I can speak from experience, can be a very troublesome time growing up. A lot of times our media presents middle school as kind of a place where you're exploring yourself as an individual. You're, for the first time, making calls about who you want to spend your time with, what classes you want to take. You're often given chances to sign up for electives in middle school. So it's your first opportunity as a child growing up to really make decisions to set yourself apart from other people. But also, middle school can be wrought with adversity. Bullies. Bullying is such a prevalent part of modern society, unfortunately. 
Schools have anti-bullying workshops and try and teach compassion, which I truly believe that everyone has the capacity for compassion. However, through exterior influences and internal anxieties and struggles, we sometimes lash out with a mix of fear and confusion that sometimes doesn't, doesn't come across as very nice. Some people have malicious intent, but they do it because they want to feel better about themselves. If they're able to punch down on somebody else, they feel like they're not the low man on the totem pole, as it were. On Monday morning, the students are all supposed to split up into different workshops for what they call Explorer's Day, where they get to try out and take classes for some niche thing, like bread baking, uh, comic illustration, any number of things that students have an interest in that aren't part of a regular curriculum. By the person blackmailing these students, they're told to tell their teacher that they are being switched from one explorer group to another and to go hide in the janitor's closet. That's where each of these students realizes they weren't the only person that was mentioned. They know each other, but they don't really know each other well. They have a base understanding of each other, except for Todd. Everybody in that group knows Todd, because Todd is kind of a bully. He has a short temper. He's known for physically lashing out against other students. And as these four characters are brought together, we see how differently all of them cope with anxiety. From the excerpt I read at the opening, Todd gets physically violent. Jima, and I am not 100% sure I'm pronouncing that name correctly, but I am doing my best. She folds. She buckles instantly. She is one of the first ones to say, we got to do anything that this person asks just to keep our secrets safe. Owen is in a panic. He, he's, he's running around as they used to say, like a chicken with his head cut off. Allie, however, gets quiet. She knows fear. She is afraid of the situation, but she doesn't show it very well. She is very calm about the situation. She's very quiet and collected and calculated. And for a majority of the book, she is really holding these four characters together because she understands the sense of urgency. She understands the stakes here. I don't want to go into what their secrets are, except for one, because it is something that is a very difficult subject to cover. The book does a great job of a few very basic writing experiment, uh, writing exercises. If you are workshopping a group, uh, if you're doing a writing exercise, these are a couple of things you want to try doing. The first one is the basis of dramatic irony. When a character doesn't know something the other characters do. When the audience knows a secret. Secrets in drama and in dramatic irony in twists, they are used uh, pretty effectively here because each character is hiding something that's personal to them. It helps give each of them a unique identity from the others outside of simply their actions and the way that they're written. They have something they've done that they either regret or don't want people knowing. The second 
writing exercise is a very, very, very basic one. Just put unlikely characters in closed space, and that's it. They are in the janitor's closet for about half of the book. They do leave to complete tasks, but they always come back to that one location, and the four of them are alone, talking, awaiting a text message for their next task. Four characters who don't like each other, forced to work together, to cooperate. Seeing how their different personalities bump up against each other. They don't work together well. They're not a good team. But again, Allie, with her calculated and cool-headedness, is able to keep everyone from really unraveling. And it isn't until Jima's secret comes out that we start to see the tension boil in the story. In the interest of keeping this podcast lighthearted, and uh, what I'll say is age-appropriate. The goal here is a critical look at children's literature, but what I, hope it happening, uh, what I hope happens here is parents and children listening to these together. It's a way to hear different opinions on the books that kids are reading. It's a, you're able to get a new voice and hear basically what other, other people are thinking without having to go out and find it. This is just another source to use in those little teaching tools. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to um, I'm going to play around the subject here, but I'm going to go into greater, more explicit detail after the outro music plays. So that way, if there are any sensitive ears in the audience, you don't have to uh, open yourself up to that conversation. Okay, Jima's secret um, probably has the most uh, interesting consequences. She has a friendship with another character that we meet in the book that is not appropriate. And when the other characters are trying to talk her out of this and tell her that, that she shouldn't be talking to somebody, she responds pretty, pretty well by <laughs> being upset. She attacks Allie, says that she has no friends, she tells Owen how annoying he is and how nobody likes Todd. But she's really just lashing out because she feels attacked, told that what she thinks is a meaningful friendship is something to be ashamed of. And she definitely should be aware of this due to the fact that it is her secret that she doesn't want people to know. So at a base level, she does know it's bad, but she is trying to convince herself that it's not. That is all I'm going to say there. For now. After the episode finishes, I'll have a little excerpt where I go into this in greater detail, and I think that it's a very important message, but it is a very sensitive subject that I don't think that children... Sh I, I can't say it like this. Uh, this isn't how children should be finding out about this topic. This is a conversation that needs to happen in a very safe and controlled environment and not in I don't want to I don't want to criticize the book for its representation in, in its material here but I think that this should not be the first time a 7th grader is learning about these concepts it's definitely tamer than uh the realities but it shouldn't be at uh it shouldn't be through a book that's at a book fair do I recommend this book, though? 100%. It is a page-turner. 
it does tackle that subject in a very, very uh, tactful way. There's nothing uh, gross or perverse in the way it's presented. It is simply the facts and it is simply um, presenting it in a way that the character is able to understand and seize the flaws. They're able to learn from their mistake. And I feel like as long as this is not a new concept to them, then I feel like um, it's going to be really good read. Even if it is a new concept to, the, to a child, I think that it does open the door for teaching parents, uh, for teaching parent, having parents teach children how to handle situations like, like this. I'm, I'm kind of talking around the subject anyway. That'll be up here in a second. The book is uh, written with seventh graders in mind. It is definitely at a middle school level. It is uh, a nice and uh, robust length, I'll call it. Uh, it's going to be a good summer read and not so much a uh, read it over a weekend unless you are a voracious reader. The book does jump perspectives between the four characters. Really quickly, I'd like to clarify what I meant here. I'm going to go on at length about how this book does a great job of making those four different perspectives unique. What I meant to get at was there's no new insights. We aren't given any new information when these characters are narrating their own parts. We don't learn their secrets until they discuss them openly with the rest of the group. We only get opinions, no new information. Okay, previous Anthony. Go ahead and talk about it. However, I feel like it doesn't do it very effectively because for a majority of the book, they are all together in one enclosed space. The only difference being you're hearing what they think of the other characters. Whenever it's Owen, he is oblivious towards the animosity between Jima and Ali and Todd. When it's Todd, you hear how annoyed he is at Owen. When it's Jima, you hear how frustrated she is that Todd is there. When it's Allie, you hear how scared she is. But other than that, there's no real difference in how it is written. There's no drastic change. You aren't hearing thoughts. You're just hearing opinions. You're not going to get further insight into a character beyond what they're feeling, which I feel like the author could have done without adding a, a line break and changing the character's perspective because even though it says Todd at the top of this page it is still written in a third person limited perspective it is um it's not omnipotent I guess that's like the one thing I can say about the swapping perspectives is that it's not a third person omnipotent perspective at any time where you're hearing the thoughts of all the characters you're only hearing the thoughts of the one that is the focus that is really the only bad thing I can say about this book. The author, Daphne Benitez Grab, she knows, she truly understands, has an understanding of how modern schools behave, how they approach bullying, how they work. This, this book was released in 2021. The COVID pandemic and shutdowns of schools is a part of the story. It's brought up, it's mentioned, it makes it feel more alive, more real, and more modern. The things that the children are doing is a little bit exaggerated, but I feel like how they behave and how they react is definitely 
spot on. And I have to commend the author for that. There is a follow-up coming up this year. I don't know if it is going to revolve around these characters yet, but it's called I Know You Lied. And it has, um, I, I believe it takes place in the same school, and that's coming out in September 2022. I have that pre-ordered already, and I cannot wait to read that, regardless of whether or not it's a direct continuation or simply takes place at the same school. This has been a lot of fun. I need to do this more often, reading more modern children's literature. When I started this podcast, I was looking at classics like Charlotte's Web, things I remembered from the Scholastic Book Fair, like Goosebumps and Percy Jackson, and I don't want to say that those were bad, but... I Know Your Secret really, really opened my eyes to how far literature has come, how far children's literature has come, and how far the world has grown. The book has a diverse cast of characters, which is free. 100% free. You have a movie, you have to cast a person of color. You have to actively do that. To make a book this diverse costs nothing, and yet... When I see it happening in this book, it's outstanding. It's something that's not the norm, and I feel like it should be. You have a character who's adopted, you have people of color, you have a you have representation of upper class, lower class all throughout this book. It's very uh conscious of the world. And the fact that we don't get that in other books is kind of alarming actually. So again, I know your secret, Daphne Benitez Grab, 100% recommend. If you have the time, a couple of spare weekends, or maybe if you're like me and you have uh, time when you're sitting on the bus a couple of days, give it a read. It's good, and it tackles some themes that I'm going to get to after this, if you want to stay around for it. Until next time, thank you so much for coming to the book fair. I'll talk at you next time. words stung, and Allie felt her face begin to heat up. She didn't have any friends. It was true, but that wasn't her fault. It was stupid Snow Valley not welcoming new people, and the fact that Allie worked all the time. And if she cared about animals, well, who would blame her? They were a lot more loyal and forgiving than most people, certainly more than Jima herself. This excerpt comes from when Jima's Secret comes out, and this is your final content warning for this portion of the podcast episode. This is a sensitive subject, as I discussed in the main body of the review, and this is your final chance to get out, because here we are going to talk about grooming. Jima's Secret is that she has a friend who is in high school, who is many years older than her. And when it comes out, that is how she responds to the criticism of her friendship. She is defending her relationship with this boy, Miles, calling it a mature friendship that people wouldn't understand. However, she still finds that people knowing about it is something that shouldn't happen. The fact that she has to keep it a secret, 
is definitely a red flag. As I said, this is probably not the way that middle school students should be made aware of grooming. It's something that they should be made aware of in a safe way, almost so that they can be on the lookout for it in order to know when it's happening and to alert the people that they trust in their lives when someone is trying to create an inappropriate friendship with someone who is much younger than they are. So if you have a high school student, college student, adult who is talking to a child and they say that they have a special friendship, that they understand them in the way that no one else does, and that they're very mature for their age, these are all the most problematic of red flags. And while, as I've said, the book handles it tactfully, there is still that power imbalance that comes with such a drastic difference in age. Miles, the high school boy, is mentally more developed. He has different motives than Jima does. Jima is still growing and still developing, going through puberty. She should not be having a secret friendship with someone older than her. No child should. That is why I think that this book does, really, really does, handle this in such a good way, because we see Jima going from defending her relationship, thinking that it's mature, it's something special, something that people wouldn't understand. And in this next excerpt, she begins to see how it's a one-sided relationship. She meets him in the hallways under the stairs right after lunch. And she wants to tell him all about how stressful her day was. He listens, uh, he, she listens to all of his problems. She's a good listener. She's actively listening and she remembers every little thing he says and he, she hangs on to his every word. That's what he wants from her. He gets that out of the relationship and she gets none of it. He complains about someone in the play rehearsal that took away the spotlight from him. He complains about this, that, the other thing, yada, yada, yada. Jima has had a stressful day. She's being blackmailed. Their friendship is being threatened by being exposed. And when she says, I have something I want to talk about, he does not find the time for her. It's a one-sided relationship. It's a power imbalance. And thankfully, the book kind of stops there. She does have a thought of someday making it a romantic relationship when she's ready. But that is grooming. She's being prepared for a relationship that is just inappropriate, 100%. And the fact that the book shows us what it looks like from her perspective, how it looks to other people, and definitely hammers home the fact that there shouldn't be a secret friendship. You shouldn't have... a Your, your child should not be seeing someone that they can't tell you that they're seeing. That is why I think it's important for these to be talked about. It's a touchy subject. It's very tricky. And to really dance around the more explicit content that comes along with this subject, it's really difficult. And that's why I think that explaining it in this way, 
where it is literally a friendship and showing how there is a power imbalance despite it not being uh, physical, let's say. Showing how that power imbalance still works, how Miles is controlling their relationship. He sees her when he has time, he complains to her, he never listens to what she has to say. And yet, as she trudged toward the cafeteria, Jima let herself worry, just for a moment, that maybe they weren't. That maybe, just maybe, Miles talked to her because it was easy. Because she never challenged him. Because she was fascinated by everything he talked about. And she helped him get the spotlight. Was that hero worship? This is probably one of the most shocking things to me. The fact that this book tackled grooming, didn't call it out, but had it there on display for all to see, and explained why it was wrong. Had the, te- had the, uh, had the student coming to terms with the fact that it was wrong, seeing the error of her ways, and how inappropriate this relationship was. Does it have to be this perverse boogeyman conversation of predators? No, because that's not how it starts. It never starts with a man with a van and candy. It starts with someone who is a little bit older saying, you're mature for your age. You get me like no one else does. Talking them up, literally grooming, preening them, praising them. And it's something that they need to know to be on the lookout for. Because they're warned about so many red flags, so many uh, perverse and uh, overt things. They're, they're, you know, they're taught about stranger danger, but are they taught to stay away from someone that goes to the same school as them? Probably not. There's not going to be a lot of situations where a middle school and high school are in the same building and you're going to get something like this, but it can happen and it isn't appropriate. And teaching them that it's not appropriate is really important. I'm sorry that this had to be such a enraged tangent. And I don't want my words to be misrepresented here. This rage, this um, disgust is not at I Know Your Secrets representation of this. The fact that it's in a book. I think that it is something that can exist in a story that is targeting middle schoolers because it is a cautionary tale. My issue is instead with the fact that this is something that children must be taught to avoid. And again, I don't think it should be through a book at a book fair being the first time a child hears about these topics, these strategies that people will employ. I'm going to leave you with a couple more quotes from the book. Uh, one more quote, actually. Um, and here we go. And, and this will be for real the end of the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll talk at you next time. Jima heard footsteps and her heart rate picked up with excitement. She smoothed her hair back and adjusted her backpack. But then the footsteps passed. They were too clicky to be Miles anyway. He wore sneakers and had a smooth, almost feathery sound to his steps. Was it weird she knew this?
Did he know how her footsteps sounded? No. Probably not. Because he was pretty much never the one waiting for her. That was because he didn't have to. Jima was always there and never kept him waiting. Was that what Ali had meant by a power imbalance?